Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. This is hour two on the 24th of June. I'm Dr. Peter Kapsner filling in for the morning. And so enjoying being with you as a listening audience all around the Midwest, all around the country. However you're listening through terrestrial radio or maybe through the app at Faith Radio or MyFaithRadio.com. It's so enjoyable to get up and start the day fixing our eyes on Jesus again together and so many of the different headlines and troubling events. But from the perspective that we serve a king who has a government on his shoulders and of the expansion of that kingdom, there will be no end. And so we know where we're headed. We know how the story ends, even though we're in the midst of the difficult parts of the story as our earth continues to grow and longing for its release. But we'll continue to talk about these news headlines and the different events from the day from a distinctly kingdom perspective where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ reigns. And with Paul Perot in studio here as well. And Paul, quite a bit of news this morning that we covered in some really, I think, important ways with Daryl Crouch and Hunter Mm -hmm. Baker and and certainly can catch that online if some of our listeners missed that as well. But time for some lighter news as well. Uh, You you fill my desk with news every morning. And and this is something I really appreciate science. Okay, Okay. I really enjoy science. Uh, I think science has had a a wonderful explanatory effect on on God's world in a lot of ways. But I also get skeptical sometimes of science here and there. So here's a study, and you tell me what you think, reveals that Pluto... The, the the planet it's not even a planet anymore, right? It's, we had we had to change a, the designation yeah, of the planet. planet. Yeah, so yeah. we have like eight and a half planets now in our in yeah, our solar system. Yeah. But Pluto may have had an ocean buried beneath its surface, and so based on some of the topography of Pluto, there's speculation that there was water at one point in Pluto. How in the world do we know these kinds of things, Paul? Well, I'm just kind of going ocean of water on a frozen body that far away, right? I don't think so, Doc. Yeah, it does seem maybe to merit a bit of skepticism in yeah, terms yeah. of, you know, I'm always mesmerized by the idea that uh, some of our astrologers and astronomers that we can Not miss. Not astrologers, that's something entirely well, astrologers, different. Yeah, but they did have astrologers in the old, I mean, this is the, the well, line of Daniel. That, I mean, he, but, he, you know, he rose up to chief magi and because he could read the stars, he was able to, to start the traditions for the chief magi that eventually visited Jesus because they could read the stars and the, uh, the, the signs in the sky. Now, and That's saying different. that, I am not talking about be, you know reading your horoscope this morning because no, no. horoscopes always crack me up. It's basically you will breathe today, right? Oh, yeah. that must be me. You know, yeah, it's, it's exactly. a sign. I, you know, whoever does this sort of thing. But uh, but the astronomers, we we can miss by several billion years on the origin of the universe. But we just sort of do a reset. I can't think of another profession that you can miss by a few billion years and, and have some credibility left. Well, you know, meteorology and I do weather on our some of our of stations. I, I'm off oftentimes, and it's like you know. I, I just say what the weather service tells me to say, and it's like, eh. Well, it's great stuff. Well, I'm still troubled, and maybe you are, as listening to you by the idea that the, the nine-planet solar system that I grew up with has become eight planets and a, and a dwarf planet really or whatever ruined, that looks It really like. ruined my very educated mother just served us nine pizza, yeah, you know, pizzas or something. And it just it ruined it. Well, if we ever get to Pluto together, Paul, and with the listeners, maybe there will be water there that we can sustain life. So some light yeah. headlines today. Uh, we got about seven minutes past the hour here. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Bill. English from BibleAndBusiness.com. And Bill and I are going to walk through some different 
tips that he has from Matthew 25 about how we can best steward our money. That is the familiar music of Bill English, who joins us every Wednesday here on Mornings with Carmen from BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Caps. It's good to be back on the air with you. Caps, you know, it is good to be back on the air with you too, Bill. I don't think I've heard Caps since the junior high bus rides on basketball trips right there. So you're taking me back, I don't know, about 100 years it feels like. Oh, there you go. I love it. Well, back back before you were piled high and deep. Yeah, exactly. The PhD that I have, and in, indeed. Yes. So, well, yes. thanks for joining us. It's uh, been great yeah. to have the friendship over these years, and I know I was looking forward to this conversation from Matthew twenty-five and about stewardship. But for listeners listening, if they don't want to open up their biblical text and start thumbing through the story, uh, give us a little sense of what's happening in Matthew twenty-five. Yeah, Matthew 25, this is the parable of the ten talents, the parable of the servants, and in one uh, uh, translation, it's the parable of the bags of gold, but it's about the master who goes away on his journey, and he gives five talents to one servant, two talents to another, and one talent to a third servant. And he says, each according to his ability, that's what he gave them. And then he goes on his journey, and the intention is for the servants to put the money to good use, and so that when the master returns, the servants have made a profit on their money, and the first two uh, servants do that, and uh, the, five, the one with five talents returns ten back to the master, the one with two talents returns four, but the one with one talent went and hid it, dug a hole in the ground and hid it because he thought the master was a hard man to please. And as a result, the first two uh, servants uh, get to enjoy the master's wealth and the master's presence, and they get rewarded, and the third servant is sent into outer darkness, I think, where there is weeping and gnashing Mm. of teeth. Hmm. is how it ends. So that's the a summary of that parable. Yeah, it's quite a story, and, and I want to get into some of the dimensions of the story and what we can learn from that. But let's just back up, maybe go to about the 40,000-foot level at first. And you make a sure. statement here as part of your talking points that Christian stewardship is based on a healthy relationship with God. It is not transaction-based. It is relationship-based. And, Bill, I'd love for you to comment on that a little bit further because I know there can be a temptation, and and being a lifelong church kid and a lifelong follower of Jesus, that uh, some of the times in which my soul has dried up, maybe in in the most arid sort of way, is, is when I look at my faith as just a bunch of duties that I have to do, a bunch of moral obligations that somehow God expects expects of me in, in kind of this transaction relationship that he's somehow removed in the heavens, I'm not sure where, and has given us these commands and I'm just supposed to do them. Boy, that dries up the soul pretty quickly when our ongoing life is not sort of immersed within the presence of a relationship with God. Yeah, the relationship is what makes following the rules rich. And, and dynamic and uh, meaningful. If you take the relationship out of it, then obeying the commands of Christ is just duty, and it really will drive a person crazy. By the way, for those listening, these points today come from the article called Entrustments in Christian Stewardship out of Bible and Business. So yeah, uh, my, my, my first point is that a really a, a top-notch Christian steward is going to focus first on getting to understand the heart of God and developing a solid relationship with God so that he or she can know what God desires 
uh, out of their stewardship efforts. And this is portrayed actually in verse 24, where the man who received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, this is the one that hid the talent and didn't create a profit. He says, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. Hmm. Well, the master wasn't a hard man. The, this this servant did not know the master, and so he had a wrong perception of the master. And how many times <clears throat> do we have a wrong perception of God, and as a result, we go and we do things that are contrary to God's intent? And when I talk about intent, uh, Peter, you know, I, I did a lot of consulting with a Special Operations Command down in Tampa. I uh, had a security clearance for over 10 years. And uh, I learned about commander intent. And the commander may say to his, to his unit, I want you to go take that hill. Now, he may not be able to tell them all the decisions that they're going to have to make along the way to get to that hill and take it. You know, he isn't going to be able to tell them about the, the swamps or the rivers or the arid areas or other things that they're going to encounter. But he he gives them an intent. This is my intent. I want you to go take this hill. And when you understand the commander's intent, then you can make decisions that are in concert with that intent. When we don't know the heart of God, we don't understand God's intent behind his commands. And so we oftentimes implement the commands in ways that miss the intent. And we that's really betrays the fact that we haven't developed a good relationship with Jesus Christ in the first place. Hmm, and this is well said. And before we get to any of the other points, Bill, I'm mindful of obviously the, the very uncertain economic times in which we live. And many families, I'm sure, that are listening have experienced the, the profound pain of a job loss and the uncertainty about the future uh, of their economic um, provision. And, and in the midst of that, to be able to go to God and, and trust that as well and, and trust in the, the, there is an invitation to continue to develop that relationship. I know even for the business that I own, Bill, not too many months ago, we were on the verge of bankruptcy. And that was a very, very scary situation. And, and you have to sort of say, even if the worst happens, I, I still need to be in this relationship because stewardship isn't just about giving money away. It is about the idea that God and I are in this partnership together. Even should the worst come, God will still have my back. You know, isn't it a scary thing to hold your business with an open hand? Ooh, yes. And to say to God at any time, God, you can have this. It's your business to begin with. I'm just stewarding this business. You can have it any time you want it. And, and I think that uh, you, you start in that invitation in those difficult places, right, Bill? And, and it, can, it can lead to a foundation in the future of, of a stewardship with open-handedness. Yeah, it really does. And when you have a stewardship with open handedness and then you if you end up making a lot of money, then you don't go build the big house on mm. the nice lake and all that kind of stuff, because you're so grateful that you can just give to others who are in need. That's one of the core purposes of business is to create wealth so that the owners can be philanthropic and make sure that those who have need are taken care of. Yeah, it, it certainly creates a space for a different set of questions, that's for sure. That's the voice of Bill English. We're going to take a short break, Bill. When we come back, let's get into some of the specifics of these points from Matthew 25. And I want you to highlight for our listeners a sort of a new Zoom uh, business leader opportunity you've been developing. So stay with us. More to come with Bill English. I'm Dr. Peter Kapsner, filling in for the day for Carmen LeBurge. I'm smelling coffee, birds are singing just outside. Here comes your mercy stream. 
Continuing our conversation with Bill English around just different dimensions of stewardship from Matthew 25. Before we go back to that, Bill, you've launched a new venture here, something about uh, some Zoom meetings for business leaders. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah, about every six weeks on a Saturday morning, I'm hosting a free uh, CEO group Zoom and we don't we don't meet in person. We meet over Zoom, and uh, we discuss one of these uh, core uh, stewardship elements, as it were. And then we go over some other things, some basic tips and tricks on how to run businesses. People share what's going on in their various businesses, and uh, you can be anywhere in the world and attend one of my CEO groups. Uh, all you got to do <clears throat> is to go out to bibleandbusiness.com, and you'll see right at the top, it'll say Next CEO Group Event. And when you click on that, you can scroll all the way down to the bottom and then RSVP for the group. It happens at 9.30 or 9 o'clock Central Time to 10.30 on Saturday mornings. The next one is this coming Saturday from 9 to 10.30, and all you got to do is RSVP. Uh, we have a lot of space left in the group. And so I'm inviting business owners and business leaders who are interested in integrating their their uh, faith with their role as a business owner or leader to uh, just zoom in and uh, um, attend one of these groups. Yeah, it's quite a remarkable medium and platform Zoom is to be able to create a virtual community like that. And uh, so before we end again this morning, I want you to send out that invite one more time where people can go. But let's get back to our, our story from Matthew 25 here. And you have a, a series of points available at bibleandbusiness.com that you've derived from the story and not necessarily going in sequential order here, but I was, it was sort of taken in by point number nine that, that continues where we left off in the last segment. It says that the servants never saw the original talents as their own. They always saw those talents as belonging to the master. And Bill, it's something I've heard in my Christian journey for many, many, many years. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it and, and our money is the Lord's, but Day in and day out, it sure often doesn't feel like uh, my money is the Lord's. And, and how does somebody begin to move from a place of understanding that truth of the kingdom to really being able to walk in the truth of that kingdom? Boy, it's really a mindset change. You know, you're you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. And there's a lot of business owners listening. There's a lot of people who have checking accounts. Uh, whether you're a business owner or not, you look at the money in your checking account and you say, that's my money. Yeah. For sure, uh, and really, it isn't. It's God's money, and and He asks you to tithe ten percent to Him. But even the tithing theology that has been taught, I think, has been wrong. It, it's been, you know, God gets ten percent, and you get ninety, so you get to do whatever you want with that other ninety because you gave your ten to God, right? And I just don't see it that way. Um, especially for business owners and leaders, the money that we have in our business checking account really belongs to God. It's there to run the business. God owns the business in a spiritual sense, and it's there to further his kingdom and to accomplish his purposes. It's not our money. The original talents uh, in in the story of Matthew 25, you know, he the master gave five talents to the first servant, and the servant made five more. And what did he do at the end? He gave all ten of them back, hmm. and which means uh, by by analogy, that means that all that we have, all that God has given to us, needs to be given back to God. 
Now, obviously, some money has to be spent on some things here on Earth. But our focus should be on making as – this is kind of the John Wesley thing, making as much money as we can and saving as much as we can so that we can give away as much as we can. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And uh, it gets into point number five from this article as well, which is profits which we create are to be given back to God to further his agenda. And, and Bill, there, there's obviously been a lot of backlash uh, about the idea and the economic system of capitalism because it generates so much wealth and that wealth can then lead to greed and, and often does and, and really hollows out uh, our relationships with one another with this income gap. The, the flip side of that or the correction to capitalism, it seems to be suggested these days, is socialism where there's sort of this forced giving of the money. But in God's kingdom, it's neither one of those two things. There, there is the open-handed, open-hearted creation uh, of profits that then lead to to the the giving away from a sense of one's own free will because you're in a place of gratefulness. You're in a place of recognizing the money is not your own. And so the economic system in God's kingdom is very different than the choices we tend to have in this world. Yeah, we could solve so many of the social problems without socialism if the average Christian would simply tithe 10%. Yeah. You know, the average Christian in the average pew today only tithes about 2 to 2.5%. And uh, they, they sh- what that shows is that their heart is not really aligned with God. I think we have a lot of people in church whose hearts are lukewarm and are really not aligned with the Lord. Yeah, the the whole idea would wouldn't it be something if if we could not because the answer to to the sins of capitalism is generosity out of those who have a lot of money. That's the biblical answer. And that's what uh, Jonathan Sachs, in his book, The Dignity of Difference, that's what he argues in one of his chapters, is that it is a moral stain on the church. Now, he's Jewish, and he's talking about you know the, the temple and all that, but it's a moral stain on society when the rich don't take care of the poor. Mm. But they don't do that through the government. They do that because they love God, yeah. and they do that because uh, God has quickened their hearts, and therefore they are— they, they, they do it from their religious foundation, not their political foundation. That's good stuff. One more, Bill, maybe just in a minute or so here. Point number seven, the size of the profit did not matter to the right. master. Now, now, Bill, I got to take you to task on that one. Isn't it better to have more profits? And, and uh, aren't you a better somehow steward of God's kingdom? No, not at all. It's it's about faithfulness. Mm. Uh, look, the, the the parable uh, rewards the the servant who who got two talents and made two more, and the servant who got five talents and made five more. They got the same reward. So it isn't the amount of the mm. raw dollar amount or the profit that is generated. It is your faithfulness in generating it and then giving that back to God and using it for his kingdom. That's what's at issue there. And that's great stuff. That, that calls to mind the story of the widow's might, too, uh, in, yeah, in this in terms exactly. of what we have. Well, Bill, we got to uh, leave it there. Exactly. But before we run, a couple things again. If you're listening this morning, you want to catch all of what Bill had to say, you can head to BibleandBusiness.com and see these 10 points from Matthew 25. But one more time, remind our listeners where they can go if they are are a business owner themselves, or they happen to know some business owners where they can participate in this community that you're doing? You know, I'd love for people to join me on Saturday morning at nine o'clock on a Zoom meeting for CEOs and business owners and business leaders. Just go to BibleandBusiness.com, click on Next CEO Group Event, and then scroll down to the bottom and RSVP, and I'd love to see you Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Great to hear your voice again, Bill. I appreciate our friendship over all these years. 
Yeah, me too. It's good. To, it's good to talk with you. Yeah, indeed. We'll take a break here uh, for some breakpoint and bottom of the hour news, and we'll be joined in the second half of this hour by friend Justin Jepson, who runs the the chapel program here at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, and is as dialed in to the thoughts and to the dreams and to the passions and the difficulties of young people today, and what we see in the next generation in God's beautiful kingdom. Well, this sure is fun. Uh, you never know who's going to walk into studio. It's it's uh, been so long. We obviously are appropriately socially distant here this morning. There's enough room in the studio to do so. But sitting here this morning, who walks in? Our next guest, but it's Justin Jepson right here. Uh, good morning, Justin. It's uh, it's great to have you here. Peter, it's great to be back on campus. I was just telling a little bit a little bit ago, it's weird to be back and feel out of place in a familiar place. Just campus isn't as normal. But to be able to see you and Paul here in the flesh, it's good to return back to a bit of normalcy. Yeah, I think you said that very well. I think for many of our listeners, we can really sympathize with that idea that things all look like they should be familiar, but everything feels so terribly unfamiliar, whether it's maybe going to a coffee shop or maybe going to the grocery store or whatever it looks like. Everything is just so different. Even seeing all the masks out, it it has really changed all of our social interaction and and it's really changed the fabric of our relationships together. (laughs) Yeah, it it certainly has. You know, I think while it's definitely uh, changed the landscape of society in so many ways. It, I think it's been really interesting to see kind of the the uh, flip side of that and how it's actually brought in some people closer together. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. Well, I appreciate you in studio. We're going to take a short break, Justin. When we come back, let's get into some conversations that you and I have the opportunity to be with young people kind of day in and day out and what they're thinking, what they're seeing. So looking forward to having a chat with you about that here next on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Locato. In May of 2008, Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife Mary Beth lost their five-year-old in an automobile accident. They were deluged by messages of kindness. One in particular gave Stephen strength. It was from a pastor friend who had lost his son in an auto accident. Remember, your future with your daughter will be greater than your past with her. Death seems to take so much. We bury the wedding that never happened, the golden years we never knew. We bury dreams. But in heaven, these dreams will come true. Acts 3.21 says that God has promised a restoration of all things. And all things includes all relationships. Our final home will hear no goodbyes. Gone forever. Let this promise change you. From sagging to seeking. From mournful to hopeful. From dwellers in the land of goodbyes. To a heaven of hellos. This is Max Locato. You'll get through this. It is 22 minutes before the top of the hour. This is Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge. And leave it to producer Paul Perot to, in a pinch, be able to come up with some new walk-up music for our in-studio <laughs> guest. You did, Paul. You knocked that one out of the park. Justin Jepson is joining us here. Justin, that was pretty solid intro. That's one of your favorite bands, from what I understand. I'm impressed. And that is an old-school song, too. I mean, I... Yep, that I, is. That's probably early 2000s. That brings me back to college. It that's does. when I... No, seriously. Yeah. So, which, yeah, it was longer ago than maybe listeners might think. Well, so. and you're referencing a chain and chain 
for those people that uh, maybe don't know the artist here, but you're referencing that they almost, when, when you hear them sing, they almost sound like they're straight out of the book of Psalms. The first album that I was introduced to by Shane and Shane was an album called Psalms. And then they have Psalms 1, Psalms 2, Psalms 2, 1, 2, level, and so on and so forth. And really for me, it's, if I, if I could read in the Psalms, and you know when those are actual songs, these are prayers that had melodies and had strings instruments, I think this is just at least one version of what that might look like when we read the scripture. So it's really made scripture come alive to me. Yeah, it's great stuff. Well, thanks for joining us here this morning. I know probably some of our listeners are familiar with your voice if they also listen to the Bill Arnold show in the afternoon. You're on Guy Talk regularly at four o'clock. You and I share some of that space. We struck up a friendship a number of years ago here at Northwestern and tell our listeners about what you do here at Northwestern. You, you start to have changing roles, it seems. I never really know what you're doing for sure. So so give us a sense of what you do. Yeah, well, the, the roles, you know, expanded and, and had different nuances, but really it's been the same. Primarily, I oversee the chapel programming right. um, that happens daily, uh, Monday through Friday here at Northwestern. And uh, my current title is Director of Spiritual Formation Programs. So that's not only uh, overseeing what happens in chapel and around chapel, but also how that translates into other contexts and conversations, communities, events, and other spiritual development initiatives that occur on campus. Yeah, and you and I, uh, interestingly enough, at least for us, we're going to be launching a podcast uh, later today. It's been in, in planning for quite some time, but some of that was birthed out of our experiences here over these last several years, and just that sacred space of working with young people. And Justin, would it be fair to say, and, and I referenced this earlier in the show, that when my young people crack open for me, there is this, there's a heart longing, there's a deep passion to want to learn more about who this Jesus is. And, and you and I are both church kids. We've been in the church uh, almost our entire lives. And I love the institutional church. It really is the place where I have found so much wisdom and compassion and really genuinely good people. And, and yet on the other side of that, the institution known as the church can sometimes be a place that really has been hard for people. And, and I think to the extent that that's been true, we, you and I see in our next generation that when they do crack open like this, they say, you know, church was a tough place for me. It, it had some power plays. It had some divisions. We divided over things that I didn't really even understand. There was some gossip and, and it was just, it wasn't always easy. I wasn't even sure if the things that were being taught were consistent with Jesus's kingdom. So there's this push and pull because I, we both love the church and yet we recognize that our young people, unfortunately, are starting to leave the institutional church in droves. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that that is the case. And and, and to be clear, you know, this is, uh, you know, we I love the church. Yeah. We love the church because Jesus loves the church. This is Jesus's deal, right? I mean, we can't sure. say we love Jesus and hate the church <laughs> in the same breath. It'd be like someone coming to me and saying, Justin, I love you, but I don't really like your wife. Like, <laughs> I, I'll take personal offense to that yeah, for and I'll sure. defend that and say, well, then you don't know her. And so unfortunately, though, I think what um, ends up being conflated is that people are equating our expressions of Christ within the church to Jesus himself. So when people are leaving the church, they're leaving faith altogether. And, and sadly, they're, they're coming up with this, this idea of saying, well, there must be something else out there. When it's not so much that the, the church needs to, the church really it needs to be reformed. Yeah. And, you know, people often will ask me, you know, are you, what kind of theologian are you, that type of thing? Are you a reformed theologian, you whatever? And I said, well, I'm a reforming theologian. <laughs> you know, we point back to the reformers and the different areas and seasons of reform and spiritual awakening. And there's that phrase, semper reformenda, which means always reforming. Yeah. And I think right now we are at a crucial juncture in the landscape of Christianity where we desperately need reform. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's led to that phrase that probably many of our listeners are familiar with and maybe even have used themselves for understandable reasons that uh, I'm still very spiritual, mm -hmm. but I'm no longer religious. And, and mm -hmm. that's what I'm hearing over and over again. And, and what do you see at the heart of that statement? What, what are people sort of 
crying out about when they say, you know, I really am still spiritual, but I'm not religious anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard the other version of that is, you know, I, I, I love Jesus, I just don't love the church. And I yeah. talked about that. And I think that, yeah. but that idea is, is I, I think that idea, we have eternity has been set in our hearts by 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 our creator, by God. That's an innate desire. And I think we long to be connected in a part of something that's bigger than our own lives in our own world. And to know that our life actually counts for something that that'll outlast it. Yeah. And so I think that idea when someone says, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual, not religious, they want to attach themselves to something outside of themselves to give themselves a sense of identity, purpose and value and worth. Yeah. And, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it calls to mind when you're talking that way. It wasn't too, it was before the, the COVID-19 pandemic hit and we were still out and about in the ways that we might have been as people. But we were on an app called the Nextdoor app. Again, some of our listeners might be familiar with that. And we found a rug that we, we wanted that was really inexpensive <laughs> on Nextdoor, right? So you do what you do. You get uh-huh. in the van and, and you go pick up this rug. And we struck up the conversation with a woman who was selling this rug and she had two young children. And for whatever reason, she began to crack open and say, you know, I'm thinking about how to raise my kids. I don't know how to do it, but I have been consulting um, the sort of oracle or medium in the local suburbs. And <laughs> A, I didn't even know that you could do something like that. But B, it, it, it spoke to her longing for mm-hmm. something more, for something bigger, for a purpose and a passion that I think, again, as eternity has been set in our, in our hearts and minds. But if we're not in the process of saying... I wonder what's happened in the church these last many years that young people are leaving about. And can we enter into the Reformation process? Because otherwise we're going to be left out drifting on our own sort of creating a spirituality from a whole mashup of different kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, what's really interesting and just the timeliness of this conversation is, um, you know, yesterday the, the, the battleground, the cultural battleground of Twitter blew up with this hashtag cancel Christianity. Right. And, you know, in, in lieu of, of, of really the magnifying glass being upon our government and our institute, you know, and really all of our institutions and the different, you know, monuments that have been uh, have been erected throughout the course of our the history of our nation and Confederate statues being called to be brought down. And, and now there's this magnifying glass on the white Jesus. Yeah. And 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 not to, there's a lot of that's a whole nother can of worms we could get into. But one of the things that I was I was asking myself as I was reading an article about that was what are they wanting to really cancel? Mm. Is it, when they say cancel Christianity, I think sometimes, unfortunately, Christianity has become something different than the person it's supposed to represent. And, 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 and I think this speaks to the reality that we have a natural bent in our human fallen nature to project our image upon God rather than being more concerned about reflecting his image. And I think what, what, what this generation, Generation Z, and this is the 18 to 22-year-olds for our listeners and any, going all the way down to maybe junior high um, and middle schools, high school, um, what they're rejecting is a misrepresentation yeah. of, of Jesus. And so that's why I think this, this invitation, this idea of going back to the kingdom, which really was the starting line for Jesus. I mean, the first words that, that passed through his mouth on the public scene was, the time is fulfilled, mm. repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so I think um, people long to be close, not to an institution, uh, not to just an organization, but to a person. Yeah. And so I think that's the reform that we need to get back to is getting back to the genuine who is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, th- and in that, we can't do that apart from, uh, <laughs> from a refreshing look at the scriptures 
by which reveal to us who Je- who Jesus really is, and all the all the while being aware of our own cultural biases that shape the way that we view and interpret and apply Scripture. And so that's why I think one of the things this generation is longing for. Um, generation Z is the most uh, ethnically diverse yeah. generation, and they're not seeing that reflected in the church. And so, but yet they're seeing it reflected in their communities and in their schools. And um, the church now has a magnifying glass mm-hmm. over it and saying, okay, what are we going to do? Who are we really representing? Are we going to lay down our rights? Are we going to lay down even our traditions? Are we going to be willing to open up and to come into community with others that look, act, think, speak, smell, eat, <laughs> talk differently <laughs> than we do? Um, to display truly a kingdom unity that is possible, that's possible. If we will, it's at hand, it's right there, it's close, but we need to reach out and lay hold of it and repent and turn to Christ in a fresh way. Yeah, those are beautiful words, uh, Justin. And I think that idea, again, of that, could we reintroduce Jesus into the mix for people who believe they have met Jesus, but maybe met a misrepresentation because he, he really does have this beautiful kingdom in which we can participate. Let's take a short break and when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about where we're headed with that podcast that relates to just what you're suggesting about what is life like in Jesus's kingdom and how do we as believers walk together in the midst of it. So stay with us here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Peter Kapsner and delighted to be in studio with friend Justin Jepson this morning. Justin, I always love the message of that song, wave after wave, crashing <laughs> over, right? I mean, that he is for us. God really is for us in all of this. But Paul's killing it with that. I'm just so impressed. Yeah. Hey, he, I just looked up Shane and Shane on yeah. YouTube. There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's great stuff. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen here. we got about 10 minutes for the top of the hour. Peter Kapsner in studio with Justin Jepson, and we're talking a little bit about Christianity and the next generation. And, and Justin, I think it's, it's fair to say that, uh, that, again, young people really do care about these these matters of the faith. But I think until I had a chance to actually talk and be with and listen to young people, I think I underestimated the gap between mm. where we are. And, and I'm 49. I know you're not close to 49. That drives me <laughs> wild. Uh, but I'm 49. Many of our listeners tend to skew towards maybe 45 and plus. And, and I think mm. until I was in the space with these young people, I didn't see, again, how big the gap is between where we've been as the church and in many beautiful places of the church. But the way we're talking and thinking about our faith, we don't want to become unanchored to it. We're going to hold to very much the the theological traditions of the inspiration and the inerrancy of Scripture and the Mm -hmm. triune God Mm -hmm. and the fact that that tomb is empty and that cross broke open everything and that veil has been torn and all of these incredibly important realities Mm -hmm. that are there. But in in bringing them to play into the next generation, it's going to require something a bit different. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is what's so compelling about this idea of returning back to the, the, the kingdom of God as really this, this starting line, but it's also the plumb line. And, and you know, mentioning that, that gap, I think um, it's, it, there's, there's always a gap in my life and every Christian's life. There's going to be a gap between what we declare with our mouths and what we demonstrate with our lives, right? Yep. But the kingdom, that mentality, I think having that idea of the king, the kingdom's all about a king. Who's the king? It's Obviously, there's the Sunday school. It's Jesus. <laughs> right, but right. all these all these amazing truths, the empty cross, the empty tomb, well, that ought to really change the way that we live our lives. And that should be demonstrated in tangible everyday matters. Um, and, and I think that's what, you know, closing this gap is to say, well, how does that truth actually 
tangibly change. Yeah. And and I think sometimes we can be so focused on the outward action and the tangible, you know, uh, reform in our world and our culture. Sometimes we can be, have more of a monastic approach on the other right. end and we just say, well, no, it's all about me and Jesus and the individual aspect of it. The kingdom thrives in the both and, not in the either or that polarizes those things, but rather it marries them together. Mm. And I think in that, there's that beautiful invitation to say, no, let's come under the king and his kingdom. Let his domain be my life. And then may all what's true of Jesus be reflected in and through me in tangible everyday life. Yeah. And when we talk about uh, doing a podcast, that is going to be the theme of the podcast in so many different dimensions. I know you and I, neither one of us care about the idea of building a brand or building mm-hmm. a podcast. I mean, we obviously hope that many listeners join us on this journey moving forward, but but that's not what this is about. I mean, right. we look at each other. You've got two young kids. I've got five. Just to, to leave some of the kingdom behind is, mm-hmm. is to whatever extent we understand it is what we care about. But, but we do find there is an invitation that moves... Uh, and cuts through the heart of the spiritual, not religious kind of thing that people are, are living in these days. When you do start talking about this witness of the kingdom in scriptures where Jesus is the king mm-hmm. and there is a way of life that impacts our sexuality. We'll talk about those things. We'll talk yep. about, I know you teach ethics here as well uh, as me at, at Northwestern and all of the different global climate conversations and war and politics and economic systems. We'll talk about many of the scriptures that sometimes don't get referenced. We'll talk about theological yeah. ideas. We'll bring in guests from around the country, all of those yeah. things, but as an invitation, as a hub to say, we serve a king with a bent knee, and in his kingdom, there's the beautiful ways of life. It pulsates with love. It's filled with shalom, and maybe in those places, we can begin to witness to the world. Yeah, that's right, and I love it because it's, it's really all-encompassing. Like this idea of the kingdom, it's broad enough because it encompasses everything, right. but yet it gives those specific entry points into the tangible everyday conversations that people are actually having and care about and, and help bring about that reform that we're talking about of, again, bowing our knee to the king not to our own kingdoms that we've created um, uh, by by projecting kind of a our our own patina, our own image upon Jesus, yeah. rather than saying I need to be further reformed into your image. Yeah, and now only Justin, if we had a name for this podcast <laughs> and if we had a website, I know uh, Nat Becker, one of the producers here at Faith Radio, is helping us with those ends, but we cannot figure out a name for this. So if if a listener has a name for the podcast, we would completely welcome this because we're going to be recording here in about an hour, the first episode, and we'll That's probably right. even talk about the struggle uh, of the name. But we're just trying to to find something again. We don't care about trending and Twitter and all these different social media things. We just want something that'll represent God's kingdom in this. Yep. You know, one of the one of the things about the kingdom is is it's it's authentic and it's messy. Yeah. And so we really want to invite you listeners into that process with us because Peter and I are not Ex, you know, experts of the kingdom, so to speak. We're, we don't have everything figured out. We're just willing to admit to say we don't have really hardly anything figured out other than we want to be a part of the kingdom and bow our knee to Jesus every single day and continue to uh, move forward, always reforming, you know, uh, and going back to that starting line and that plumb line of the kingdom of God. Yeah, I love it. So if you're listening this morning, you have kids and grandkids and just wondering about how the next generation is thinking about these things, we do want it to, to be a place where we can all come together and keep this beautiful story moving forward well beyond our own lives. We are part of something bigger. It's what we celebrate here at Faith Radio. It's part of what I love about being part of the network is the bigger story. So Justin, I'll catch you here in a couple minutes as we get started. But thanks for coming in studio for a little bit here and just sort of enlightening us on what's happening with the next generation. I appreciate it, Peter. Great to be with you and great to actually see you face to face. Indeed, indeed. We'll take a short break and wrap up our show here for the 24th of June on Mornings with Carmen.
Well, that brings our time to a close this morning here. And uh, three days is so enjoyable again to be with you, all the listeners here. Oh, it's in the been host great chair. having you back in the chair. Oh, you know, it just it's uh, you know it's never easy when the alarm goes off. I know you're up far earlier than me uh, in those mornings, but it is always delightful to just be here with you, be with the rest of the community like this. And you again, mean you, you don't like getting at ze- getting up at zero dark thirty. <laughs> zero dark thirty is a little aggressive when I got five kids at home <laughs> uh, as well. And let's just say that I'm not as disciplined as maybe I need to be when it comes to the evening time, and maybe we're watching something together as a family and Maybe. you know yeah something along those lines but it is worth it and it is worth being uh, again here with you and with all the listeners and there, there's just something about meeting together right that that beautiful passage from hebrews 10 about let's not give up the habit of meeting together uh, and all the more as we see the day approaches this is one great way in the midst of all of our isolation and and in the troubling events of the world that for two hours every morning like this in faith radio we can come together and and remind ourselves of who we are remind ourselves of whose we are and remind ourselves most importantly that regardless Regardless of what's going on in the kingdoms of this world, and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's really difficult like it is today, there is, again, a government that rests upon the shoulders of the one who came and broke open that tomb. And in his beautiful kingdom, there is always hope and there is always future. And even if we die, yet we shall live. And so live with that hope and shine his beautiful light in the world again today. We'll catch you soon, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.